You know, I don't know about you, but I, I love being around people who are new in their faith. Because they tend to, to see things with such a fresh perspective and to, 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 to ask questions and, and to, to see things in ways that maybe those of us who've been believers for a while may not even see. And a few years ago, I was talking to a buddy of mine. His name is Christian, of all things. And I was talking to Christian, and you have to understand, he, he was a young guy who had had this big success, had moved to New York, was Wall Street, making it in the financial industry, and was just blowing and going there. But through that, got wrapped up in that whole world and ended up with substance uh, abuse issues and addictions and lost his job and ultimately his life cratered. And when it did, he finally got to the bottom and said, well, I guess I'll give God a try. And he went to church and heard the good news of Jesus, gave his life to Jesus, and his world turned around. And today, he's embraced the design that God has placed on him. And he's actually a firefighter in the city of, of Dallas, Texas. Just an unbelievable story. And I, I remember talking to Christian one day. And he looked at me and he said, You know, Troy, I had to hit rock bottom before I would turn my life around. What about all of those people out there who are just comfortably numb? I thought about that and Outside of the fact that that's just a really trippy Pink Floyd song, I never really thought about that whole concept of comfortably numb. When you think of numb, what do you think about? Well, for me, I always think about <clears throat> being a kid. Because when I was a kid, I had a, an issue with my teeth, and I had to have the majority uh, of my um, baby teeth pulled by the dentist. Every time a tooth came in, they had to pull the one next to it. So I spent a lot of time in the dentist chair. And for whatever reason, I have some pretty bad memories of that whole experience. I remember going in there as a kid, and they would inject me with <clears throat> all of these numbing agents. Agents, And I'll never forget, he's getting me some water, because <clears throat> for whatever reason. Thank you, sir. But I remember going, uh, you want a drink? One more. I remember going to the dentist, and they inject me with all of these, these numbing agents, and my num mouth would get numb. And literally, I remember the dentist coming at me with what appeared to be a pair of pliers. And it was very primitive in those days. And I remember sticking that up in my mouth and grabbing one of those teeth. Seriously, he put his foot up on the dentist's chair, and, and he grabbed it. And I remember seeing his arm shaking as he would rip that tooth out of my mouth. I no lie. And I remember seeing those teeth, and they would have roots on them a mile long. It was horrible. And then when I would go home, they would leave me with a warning. They would say, okay, now listen, your mouth is numb. Your, your lips are numb. Don't bite. Don't scratch your lip because you could bite a hole or, or, or scratch a hole in your lip, and you won't even know it. That's a great picture of life. What does it mean to be comfortably numb in life? Well, for me, I believe being comfortably numb means we basically get to this point in life where we are completely oblivious to the truth about ourselves and about God and how those things need to collide. We can't see, feel, or hear God's plan and purpose and direction in our lives. We are completely numb to it, and you know what? We're cool with it. We're okay with it. 
here's what happens. A lot of times, life just gets hard. I mean, we've all faced some, some stuff in life, haven't we? And when we face these difficulties, these hurts, these pains, these disappointments, these stresses, these, these crazy circumstances in life, our, our knee-jerk reaction a lot of times is to try to numb the pain and the issue in our life. So we look around and we try to figure out what are those numbing agents that we can inject into our life to try to pacify and to try to avoid the pain of those circumstances in our life. And so we might look to things like image, status, power, money, success, trying to be the best me I can be, the best mom or dad, the perfect employer or boss. We might turn to entertainment. How, how can we enjoy and just have fun and get the next fun fix And we turn to all of these things and we try to inject those into our lives to numb the issue and the pain and that circumstance so that we can move through life until we settle into something that I would call the rhythm of numb. Talking about the rhythm of numb. We go to church on Sunday, but we've partied all weekend long. We're a little cloudy, but we're feeling no pain because we're numb. It's okay. It's a contemporary church. (laughs) We're comfortably numb. We listen to Brian talk on Sunday morning. He says, you know, we need to live lives of moral purity. And we say, amen, Brian, I agree with that. But it won't hurt me to look at this website or to chat with that old flame on Facebook. I'm numb. (laughs) Comfortably numb. We go out with the girls And you start to talk about that friend that's not there, and you say, hey, this isn't gossip. This is just a prayer request, because we're numb. (laughs) Comfortably numb. We say, hey, I just need to buy that boat. I just need that new outfit. I still got some balance on my credit card. It won't hurt, because I'm numb. Poke me, prod me, pinch me, shake me. Mm. I'm feeling no pain, because I'm numb. Comfortably numb. Until the bottom drops. Something happens in life. Your marriage dissolves. The children go go, go crazy. You lose the friendship. You're in debt up to your eyeballs. You're in an addiction. And suddenly, you feel it the holes that you have scratched into your life because you were numb, now you feel the pain and you're facing dire circumstances, consequences for your actions. And now you cry out to God and you say, oh God, save me. I was wrong. I was comfortably numb. Now, for clarification purposes, I'm not just talking to people who are spectacular sinners out there, people who are really far from God. I'm also talking to me and to you, those of us who would say we are committed followers of Christ. You see, it's true that I think a lot of us can can have areas and dimensions of our lives where we become numb to the truth about ourselves and about God and his plan and purpose in our lives. When Christian asked me this question, I began to take an account of my life, and God brought to mind a scripture, very simple scripture. Most of you know it. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. And I got to thinking, 
I have this neighbor next door to me. I've lived here for four or five years, and I've never met her. How can I love my neighbor if I don't even know my neighbor? I was comfortably numb. So let's go back to Christian's question to me. He said, I had to hit rock bottom before I would turn my life around. What about everyone that's comfortably numb? Will they have to hit rock bottom as well? My answer to us today, I hope not. I hope not. See, what we're talking about are consequences. Throughout Scripture, you will see that God says there will always be consequences for our sin. And as we read in that, that song and, and as Steve read that prayer, we see that God is an everlasting God who loves us, who is long-suffering, who longs to be in relationship with us. Throughout Scripture, you see him wooing and calling out and warning his people that they're comfortably numb and that they're headed down a destructive path. And, and all too often, they just continued in their sin, comfortably numb, until God says, okay, enough's enough. I'm going to remove my hand, and you're going to have to face your circumstances. The children of Israel fell into slavery until they would turn their lives around and say, God, we need you. We've been comfortably numb. I hope that today will serve as a wake-up call to all of us that we would not have to hit the bottom, that we would not have to, to let things get that extreme before we would turn our lives around and begin to experience all the greatness of what God offers our lives. And you know something in this? The tragedy is not that all the consequences and hitting the bottom. The tragedy in this is all of this time that we miss the intimacy and the richness and the sweetness of a relationship with Almighty God and all the good things that he wants to bestow upon our lives. We waste it away because we're numb. I don't know about you, but that's not the life I want. I want to have a life of vibrancy. I want to be in the presence of God, and, and I want to come to church with 10,000 reasons to praise him, like that song said. So I want to look at a, a piece of scripture this morning, and I hope that this will be somewhat of a wake-up call for all of us, that you'll put your heart in neutral and listen up. And maybe allow God to speak and to pierce through maybe some of the numb areas that you're facing in your life. This passage is actually Jesus addressing a group of people who were comfortably numb. In Matthew 13, verse 14 through 16, listen, listen to what it says. Well, before I read that, let me tell you. He has just shared a parable. And this is the parable that we often refer to as the parable of the sower. And what he'd said in this parable, and a parable, by the way, is a, an illustration that he used to teach uh, a spiritual message, a spiritual point for our lives. And he says, there's a farmer, and this farmer sows seed. And some of the seed falls on rocky ground, some of it falls on thorny ground, and some of it falls on fertile soil. And later he explains it, and he says, the rocky ground represents those who are early adopters who say, yeah, I'm going to praise the Lord, but they don't let it grow deep into their lives, and they walk away from it and become comfortably numb. The, the thorny ground represents the, the people who, who, who accept the truth of Jesus and, and begin to follow, but because of all the encumbrances and all the stresses and all the stuff of the world, those numbing agents, it is squelched, it, it is choked out, and they become comfortably numb and turn their back on God. And then there's the fertile soil. Those are the people who receive it. 
and allow it to take root into their lives and lean into it. And from that, it grows up a beautiful, beautiful plant that bears fruit. And that is the fertile soil that we all want to have in our lives. And so when Jesus shared this, after he had shared it, the disciples said, well, explain this to us. We don't quite get what you're talking about. They really kind of leaned into it and said, help us understand. And Jesus draws a line between two people there. He said, there's the crowd over here who's comfortably numb, and then there's the disciples. Now listen to, in, verse, in chapter 13, what he says about the crowd. He says, indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. They're comfortably numb. And with their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes, they've closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Then he looks at the disciples and he says, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. You see, Jesus is saying, those of you who are comfortably numb, you can't see it, you can't hear it, you're oblivious to it, you're just numb. But the disciples, because they leaned into it and they received it, they became fertile soil. God says, you are blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? When we are blessed by God, it means that we are on the receiving end of the tangible and intangible favor of God. That's where I want to be. I don't know about you. And so if we are going to break numb in our life, if we are going to leave that existence and enter into the blessings and just all the vitality that a life in Jesus has to offer, then I think we need to wake up to a few things. And in fact, I think if we look at this passage, Jesus really gives us a formula for breaking numb. And it's not that complicated. I want to unpack verse 15. I want to unpack verse 15. Let me read it to you again. He said, Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. There's a few things that he says here that we need to come to terms with. The first thing is he says, We need to see and hear the truth. We need to see it and we need to hear it. And you know what the key to this is? If we're going to see and hear, it means we got to get honest. We have just got to get honest with ourselves. We need to to take stock and to, to do a quick evaluation of our lives. What are the sin issues that legitimately I'm dealing with in my life? But not only the, the sin issues, what are the behaviors that are tripping me up and possibly leading me down a wrong path? You see, we didn't we didn't become comfortably numb overnight. It's usually little choices and little decisions we make along the way that grow into bigger things in our life. It's kind of like driving a car. Think about this. You're driving your car, okay? And you make one little degree turn on the steering wheel. What happens? The car begins to veer to the right. And the further you go, the further you get from the destination that you were intending. And usually, you wind up off-road in a ditch in the deep weeds. That's what happens when we become, become comfortably numb in little areas of our lives. Lindsay and I had to get honest this week. I mean, that's part of the problem of living with the pastor. 
you got to deal with what he's preaching about that week. And so we began to talk about it and think about it. And one of the things that we realized is we're just watching way too much TV. Now, most of you know that we had a baby almost six months ago. Oh, my goodness. Why did you not tell me how hard this is? I've never been so sleep-deprived and stressed out in all my life. I mean, I couldn't even see straight for, for months, just so sleepy, and then just stress of it. I mean, there were times we looked at each other, and we're like, I don't know what he wants. I just, we just need to keep him alive. Let, what, what can we do here? And we still look at each other, even though it's gotten a little bit better, and we have a little more sleep, we still look at each other and go, really? People do this more than once? <sighs> we're worn out. We're tired. And so at the end of the day, it tends to be that what we want to do is just lay on the couch and just veg out and watch TV. Now, you're probably looking at me and going, well, Troy, come on. Aren't you being a little legalistic here? I mean, the Bible does not say. I mean, there's nowhere in there that it says, thou shalt not watch television. Well, you're right. It doesn't say that. But as we looked at that, we realized, you know, we only have a certain amount of time together And if we're spending that time watching television, then we're not talking, we're not really praying together, and so we're not connecting on the level that that we need to connect. Outside of that, our time is valuable, and if we're spending that time, then we're probably not spending as much time in prayer and in Bible study, refocusing and retooling our lives, reading things that we should read in, in our lives. And very quickly, just because of a little choice like that, there could be a little marital drift. And suddenly we're not connecting. And then opening ourselves up to to other temptations and other things. And you can see where it can spin out of control. We've got to get honest with these things in our life. We need to face it. And we need to realize that sometimes it's those little behaviors that can take us off road and off course. You say, but I'm numb. I'm not really aware of what those things are all the time. Well, I believe especially for those of us who know Jesus. The Spirit of God dwells in us. The Holy Spirit has been placed there, and one of his roles is to convict us, to to light us up and to, to illuminate to us things that we need to know and understand. And I'm convinced that no matter how numb we get, there are moments of clarity. There are times maybe when you lay your head on the pillow at night and in the quietness of the night, you think to yourself, Life's just not working, really. I'm miserable. You're driving down the road, you're taking a shower, and you think to yourself, I shouldn't have done that. Man, this thing is just tripping me up. I wish I hadn't said that or done that. We have these moments of clarity. And what we need to recognize is that is the Spirit of God speaking into your life. And if that is God, we need to listen to it. We need to hear it. We need to see what he's saying and embrace it and embrace it. And when we get honest, we say, we lean in like the disciples to say, okay, God, explain that to me. Unpack that in my life. And we say, God, I'm listening. What do you want me to do? If we're going to break numb in our life, then we've got to see it and hear it. And that begins when we get honest with ourselves and embrace what God is trying to speak into our lives. Reading on, in the same verse, it says, and understand with their heart. It says we need to understand with our heart. Well, obviously, understanding means we didn't just hear it, we got it. 
But I think when we understand with the heart what that really means is, not only did we get it, but we got it, and we agree, and we accept it. We say to God, God, I hear it, and you're right. I accept what you're saying. I was wrong. You know, there's a posture here that I think is conveyed. It's a posture of worship before God where we bow our knee to him. And we say, God, you know what? I'm a mess up. I was wrong. I was comfortably numb. Your ways are higher than mine. I thought I knew what I was doing, but you know what's best. And I bow. I humbly bow before you. We humbly agree with God. One of my favorite passages in Scripture is found in Matthew 23. And it's so counterintuitive to what I instinctively want to do, and it goes against the grain for those of us who are comfortably numb. But listen to what it says. It says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. will hit rock bottom, maybe. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. See, the Bible teaches us that we don't have to work to try to, to mask the pain and try to make ourselves look better and to, to fight for that recognition and that power and that status and to feel good in our life and try to exalt ourselves. He says, just humble yourself before God. And when we take that posture before him, it opens us up for God then to bless our lives and to exalt us in his time and his way. The Bible says that, that he wants to elevate us and to lift us up to greater heights. That is not hitting the bottom. But it begins when we get honest and we see and hear it and we understand it with our heart and we humbly accept it and agree with God. Then it says in the same verse, and turn and I would heal them. And turn. What this is telling us is that we need to go a different direction. And in order to do that, that means we've got to be bold enough to do what he says for us to do. God is going to give us direction when we place ourselves in that hearing, in that understanding place. He's going to give us the next step. He's going to give us the wisdom, and we've got to have the courage and the strength and capitalize on what he will give us to do it. That means we've got to be bold enough to go to that person and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. We've got to be bold enough to go to a Tuesday night life care class like Terry leads on the video and say, I need some help. To make an appointment with, with a counselor and work through some marital issues. We've got to be bold enough to make a relational decision to get out of toxic relationships Maybe bold enough to walk away from a, a job that is depleting you and taking time away from, from your, your family. Maybe we've got to be bold enough to say certain things to people in our lives. It's going to take boldness to make it happen. But guess what? There's a huge blessing on the other end of that. Another one of my favorite verses is John 15. Listen to what it says. It says, if you keep my commands you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What Jesus is saying here is that God says, I've given you the framework to live within. And it's an incredible plan. 
And if you will just remain within those guardrails, your life is going to fire on all cylinders. And you will remain in my love. I don't know of any greater place to be than in the center of God's love. But when you step outside of that framework, outside of the the guidelines that I've given you, you're going to struggle. You're going to become comfortably numb in your life, and you're going to miss all the blessings and all the things that, that I want to bestow upon you. And here it says that your joy will be complete. Why did we become comfortably numb? Well, in most cases, it was because we just wanted to be joyful. We wanted to be happy, so we tried to inject and tried to, to seek all these things that, that would try to satisfy and bring that joy in our life, and we missed the mark. God says, if you will be bold enough to do it, then we'll be on the receiving end of his blessing, that our joy will be complete. And you know what else? When we do that, that is an expression of obedience and yieldedness to God. Galatians tells us that the fruit that God wants to spring up when we become that fertile soil that receives it and leans into it and allows it to take root in our life, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that God wants to replace those holes that we've scratched in our lives. God is in the restoration business. He wants to love you and forgive you and, and to make those wrongs right in your life. If we will only get honest and see and hear the truth. If we'll understand and humbly accept what God is telling us, agreeing with him. If we will turn and go a different direction and walk boldly before him, he will heal us and restore us and give us the life that we're truly after. You know, I told you earlier that when I was posed this question of, do we have to hit bottom? I began to take an assessment of myself and I didn't know my neighbor. Well, truth is, I was comfortably numb. I had reasoned that out, you know. There, there was a fence between us. I mean, we couldn't really see each other, you know. That makes it a little difficult, and she was a, an older lady that lived by herself, and, you know, I worked late, and if I went over there at night, I'd probably scare her, and, you know, what are we going to have in common and talk about, and I just made all of these, these excuses of why I have not known my neighbor, but then I had to face the truth, and I had to break numb in my life. And so I went to the store and I bought cookies because I don't cook. And, and I got up the courage and I boldly marched over across the fence around the corner to her house and I knocked on the door. She answers the door and I said, hi, my name's Troy. I'm your neighbor. I know I've lived here four or five years and I just felt really bad that I've not introduced myself. She goes, you know, we just don't do that much anymore, do we? I said, no, I guess we don't. And I gave her my, my phone number and the cookies and I said, listen, if you ever need anything, just call me. And her eyes light, lit up and, and she smiled and she said, well, thanks, I will. And for the next year or so, there were a few conversations and phone calls and I got to admit, I mean, like there wasn't like some huge spiritual thing that happened and the angels didn't sing and she didn't bow the knee to Christ and, you know, all this stuff happened. But you know what? There was a relationship in my life that wasn't there before. And just doing that and walking forward in that felt good. It was kind of exciting. It was kind of fun in a way. 
And so I got to thinking, what if every single one of us here began to, to see and hear and get honest? What if every single one of us began to understand with the heart and to agree with God that there's some things that need to change? What if every single one of us began to boldly walk forward in the direction that God is calling us to go? Think about the marriages in this room that would be saved. Think about the children who would now have a legacy to follow. A generation could change. Think about people in our community who are poor and who are struggling and are facing injustice in their life. Think about those people who would be served. Think about the people who would give their life to Jesus just because you showed them his love in their lives. Just think about what these worship services on a Sunday morning could be like when every single one of us came in, not comforting numb, but feeling that the life of Jesus, ecstatic about what he's doing in our lives and coming in and ready, we just can't wait to just praise him for 10,000 reasons of the things he's done in our lives. Just think what would happen in this community of believers if we would just get comfortably numb and break out of it. Get out of that comfortably numb state and begin to worship God and bless his name for who he is. It can happen. We just need to wake up. And that is not comfortably numb. Let's pray. God, thank you for the power of your word and how relevant it is in our lives and just how it pierces our hearts. And God, I know that there are people this morning, I know that there are people right here who are numb to your truth in their lives. God, I'm so inadequate, it's not on me to wake them up. I know only your spirit can do that. But I pray that that today might be an alarm in their lives. And and for all of us, God, that we would do the work to get alone and to, to search out those sin areas, those behaviors, those things in our lives that we need to turn around, that we need to expose and to begin to walk boldly before you. And God, as we do, Lord, help us to see you in a very real and vibrant way. God, we want to bless your name. We want to bless you for the 10,000 reasons of what you've done in our lives. God, do a work in our hearts, in our lives, and we pray this prayer in Jesus' name, amen.